a lot of fulfillment in studying this stuff is, is what it does for me philosophically. You know, it gives me a place in which to put myself, my small, tiny, little, insignificant human life in the larger picture. And I think that perspective is really important for people. And I think just in terms of like choosing what to worry about and what to trip about, and you know, all the stupid shit that we get, we get into, I think that kind of gives me a greater context and understanding of it. I mean, I still flip out about shit, don't get me wrong, but almost does for me what religion does. It's supposed to do for people in a way, you know? Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just trying, with your help, to make the world 10% nicer by every means necessary. Yeah, all of them, all the means. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and that fine, sultry voice you just heard was this week's Super Nice guest, Joey Santor. And I didn't write any intro for him. I'm just going to let his social media bios tell the story of the man, because they're great. They're, they're funny. All right, from Instagram. Tender bastard beneath a coriaceous, that means like leather, exterior. Completely non-credentialed botanist. Phylogenetics, biogeography, speciation, selection pressure. Uh, Twitter. Twitter has this to say. Joey has this to say about himself via Twitter. Maybe he hired somebody to write this stuff. I don't know. Here we go. Mildly irreverent botanist with no credentials, no filter, and an erotic fixation on form, function, evolution. Academia's Twitter presence is a fart in an elevator. Pretty good. You're, you're curious, right? Just, I mean, I, I was curious. That's why we talked. Joey's been blessed and cursed by the success of a viral video a little while back in which he tried to rescue a young coyote pup. You've either seen it or you haven't, but if you have and you think it's weird that we don't mention it at all in the talk you're about to listen to, because I just wasn't that interested in it. That's all. Nothing complicated. Uh, what I am interested in and what I'm pretty sure you'll find of interest is Joey's career path. How, uh, how he became a respected botanist and artist in a bit untraditional but really quite, if you think about it, quite logical manner. He learned his crafts by living them, by studying them. Uh, through experimentation, self-education, just like humans have been doing for 99.9% of our existence, uh, which isn't... You know, it's not really to say that you shouldn't go to college. It's just a reminder that while all academia, ostensibly anyway, uh, involves education, not all education involves academia, right? Uh, all Sikhs are Sings, but not all Sings are Sikhs. Yeah, Sikhs. All Sikhs are Sings, not all. You get it. Okay, okay. On to some super nice club business. First of all, thank you. Thank you for being in the club appreciated. Uh, if you're not in the club, that's cool. Just follow us on Instagram uh, or Facebook or even Discord. Jump into Discord. Uh, let's see. You can go to our website, sign up for our newsletter. No joke. It's probably the best, nicest, if sometimes weirdest newsletter that you're going to get. So that's thanks to the genius of Super Nice Club's um, executive master of curated content, John Capone. He is a genius. And if you're not feeling it, you can just unsubscribe. Not a big deal. For bonus points to like really join the club and get free stuff from us, not just free Super Nice Club swag, but like I've given away Gravity Falls figurines, weird sci-fi dinosaur cards, um, like old sandwiches, all kinds of stuff. Just text 310-421-0393. Yeah, text 
Text, you need to text a secret phrase though, uh, which is secret phrase. Text that to 310-421-0393 and hit up our website, yeah, superniceclub.com for, or supernicecult, I already reserved that too. Superniceclub, supernicecult.com for the world's nicest shirts, hats, hoodies, stickers, uh, belt buckles, uh, lighter fluid. Yeah, we have branded lighter fluid. Everything there is 100% guaranteed to start a nice conversation with a stranger, yeah, or your money back. Also, while we're on that topic, Talk to strangers. That whole don't talk to strangers things, nonsense, nonsense. Talk to strangers. That's what makes the world more connected, more friendly. No more fear. Okay, let's do this. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop into nice work with Joey Santor. Joey, Joey Santor, welcome to Nice Work. Really glad to have you on today. What's up? Hi, yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. All right, so where are you right now? What city? Uh, I'm in Oakland, California at the moment. How you like in Oakland? Uh, you know, it's gone through, I'll be honest, it's gone through some changes in the last, I don't know, five or ten years. I'm not liking it so much. I mean, it'll always have a place in my heart. I love it. There's many things I, I do enjoy about this uh, domicile, but I, it's, I think it's definitely time to uh, to dip out for me, you know, at least to leave California. It's just, it's it's gotten increasingly expensive and you know, like many things, California, the cost goes up and the quality goes down. So I'm not going to argue that having been in California my whole life and, and been around the Bay Area, most of it, it's it is a tough time. It's a tough time for California. But yeah, man, climate change has not been nice either. You know, the sky's on fire every every August and September. <laughs> it's You know, the rain situation's kind of dire. So, you know, yeah, it's crazy. California mm -hmm. is a crazy place to be. So where, but where, where do we go? Like I've been looking at this, like for, you know, for climate future, like the Great Lakes area. Is it Wisconsin or I've I've heard I've Minnesota? heard theories. I've heard theories. Yeah. The Midwest might be the climate refuge. Honestly, I would like to leave the country, the whole country altogether. But uh, lacking the ability to do that at the moment, for both financial reasons as well as uh, familial reasons. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I think it definitely helps to be east of that 100th meridian where summer rain is a more common thing and it's more reliable. Um, granted, once you get east of the 100th meridian, you get more storms too. So, but I'll take the storms over uh, drought, you know. This, this last time when I got back, I was in South Africa in September. Somebody sent me there to do botany stuff. And when I got back, I remember driving through, I had to drive the I was driving to South Texas from California and I was going through through Arizona on the 10 and I just remember looking around and being like, this is insane. Like 15 lanes of traffic and just all the cars and strip malls and billboards and all the shit. And I'm like, this is, and the, the fact that it rains so little here and like the, the water table is still dropping. It was just, I, mm -hmm. I was, I looked at it, I'm like, I can't believe people are trying to make this work. Like, where is this going to be in 50 years, you know? So, <laughs> well, where you, the Midwest looks good. It does. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that. I mean, I love Chicago, but yeah, the Midwest. I was up in uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and uh, I had to go do a presentation up there in October, and I was like, fuck, it's nice up here. There's endless supply of fresh water. Yeah, just those winters are brutal, so. Water wars. The, the water wars are going to be a thing in the yeah, next the 50 years. Yeah, the whole Southwest. That's... Yeah. That's a different podcast. Uh, hey, so I'm just going to cut into it. What, what, when someone asks you, and it's kind of an impertinent question, I guess, uh, depending on how you look at it, you know, what do you do for a living? What do you say? 
What's your what's your what's your what's your response? Uh, I tell them I I do what I want, <laughs> which is which is plants and art mostly. <laughs> I mean, I, I I normally you know I'll just say I'm a botanist to keep it short. I do botany and science education. What I really enjoy is teaching people, but it's more than that too. It's just uh, yeah I don't know. I guess I'm in a position at least for the moment where I found a way to make a living doing what I love. And what consumes all my time anyway, and what was consuming my time during my last few years that I was working for the railroad. Um, so yeah, I've been lucky in that regard. So, but I mean, it's it's everything. Yeah, I do these these fucking videos, which are just uh, a source of fun for me. And you know, I, I like making people laugh and throwing in little jabs here and there, uh, little bits of social commentary. And um, and yeah, I, I mean, plants are the basis of the food chain. I think that. For me, they're they're everything. Um, you know, I think a lot of people get into plants initially because oh, it's it's medicinal, and if you know if you rub this on your ass, it's gonna make the the lesions go away, or oh, the, you know, there's oh, the herbalism was a big thing. I guess it still kind of is. I don't really associate with it that much, but herbalism was a big thing, which is you know just the secondary chemistry of plants. Um, and then there's, you know, there's like the whole cult of people that are into it for psychoactive purposes, which is, that's cool. But, you know, I, I think it's, it, what I enjoy reminding people is that there's this whole other aspect to plants that's more philosophically pleasing, you know, and that's the, the ecological and evolutionary approach and, and kind of understanding how they came into being, how things evolve, how speciation works, how natural selection works, um, how genomes work, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, how they're parts of ecosystems, how plants are important, not just because they've got this compound that gets you high or can make your cough better in some cases, but because they're parts of these ecosystems and they feed, they basically feed the whole fucking, you know, web of life. I mean, they're what enable life on earth. And yeah, it, you know, it blows my mind that uh, people overlook it, you know, that, that people, to, to a lot of people that's lost, they're just kind of like, plants are just background shrubbery and i get it because we're so disconnected most of us in this world we live in and so what i want to do is just you know show people this world drag them out of the human world you know kind of drag them out of that myopic narrow tunnel vision of the human world and show them all this other stuff because it's it's so it's so fantastic and and so just invigorating to look at this stuff and to look at the whole web of life and how things evolve and and how we're able to study it as you know bipedal primates and put everything in context and i think that ends up giving people it kind of ends up fulfilling what religion is supposed to do which is give people a sense of purpose understanding of where they came from and more importantly an understanding of how they relate to everything else you know because i think i mean anxiety and depression are through the roof in our society and it's it doesn't that's not a surprise to me like i look around and i'm like you put any fucking animal right. in this civilization and it's totally dehumanizing no wonder that it's you know people are losing their shit left and right so that is fascinating to me as well is as i was learning your story and then you, you can't really go in and watch your videos and, and read interviews about you without getting kind of fascinated about plants again. Botany is the study of plants, like the, the very things that keep life flowing. And yet we're disconnected. Why do you think botany is still sort of relatively niche in terms of what the public thinks of when it thinks of science? Why aren't plants as sexy as robots? 
I think generally because we're not exposed to it. I mean, I I don't know. Robots to me have a very dark undertone, like very <laughs> sci-fi dystopic, like, you know, something that's just knowing current human civilization, something that could be used for good, but probably isn't going to be or, you know, whatever. I, I got my whole fucking take on that. But I think as people aren't exposed to it, like growing up, I didn't give a shit about plants because my context for them was that, you know, you they were they were all taken out of context. You see plants in a garden, you know, where there's like 500 of the same thing planted. You go to most botanic gardens you go to are garbage. Like they're not coming at it from any kind of scientific approach or highlighting the ecological and evolutionary aspects of plants. Like this this plant's cool because it does this certain thing or it's evolved to uh, have this this habit that it uses to ward off herbivores or you know those things aren't highlighted so much it's mostly you go to a botanic garden it's like a backdrop for a fucking wedding or some corporate event and they've got a whole bit you know landscape bed filled with like 400 of the same plant that you could go buy in the home depot garden center and it's just kind of boring you know i mean plants when they're when they're taken out of habit habitat or when they're taken out of their you know context like i always say context is everything you know yeah. you got to understand how it's, it's these components of diverse ecosystems putting something in a fucking pot and showing it to someone that lives nine thousand miles away from where this thing grows there's a whole shit ton of cool info and context that you miss out on there and so like for me growing up I didn't really care. I mean, I liked the act. My mom would give me, you know, stuff to plant in her yard. Hey, could you plant this for me? Whatever. I'd go do it, but I didn't really, I didn't really care about it too much until I started seeing plants in habitat in the wild. And then I was like, this is fucking this. You see the the soil they're growing on, the rocks they're growing on. If they're growing out of a cliff face, the climate they're on, you know, the, it just, it makes it so much more exciting to study. That's what I like to show people, you know? Yeah, but, but a lot of us go on hikes and we see plants growing out of rocks and we see them in, in context, assuming that it's, you know, uh, a place where there are not a bunch of invasive species or whatever. But even that is a story, right? But so what was the moment for you, though, that kicked it off where you said, ah, these are absolutely fascinating? Uh, you know, I don't I think it was gradual. You know, I started learning about trees because they were they're big and they can live long and I like the idea of growing them uh, growing something that could outlive me and you know and dwarf me by the time it's fully grown um, and then I just kind of went down a, you know I just kind of went down like a wormhole it just one thing led to another I got really good at answering my own questions every answer I would come up with to a question would create more questions um, you know why does it do that why does it grow on that why what else is this related to when did this thing evolve you know, when you learn that like the redwood lineage evolved in the Jurassic, then it makes you wonder about all the different forms that branched off from that that are either now extinct or exist in other parts of the world, you know, as a result of the, the tectonic plates at one point being much closer together. Uh, so that just I just had this, yeah, this sense of imagination. And I really liked being in these places too. a lot of these places where you could see these things. And so that that kind of initial attachment to these these remote places made me want to learn more about them, you know, maybe want to fully understand them. It was like a sense of falling in love with these things and wanting to understand them to their fullest. And so, uh, yeah, and it was just, it just never got boring, you know, and things that might, it might've seemed boring years before would suddenly be exciting to me, you know, and I'd be thinking about them, you know, as I fell asleep at night. So I don't know, you know, I think it's, there's, there's a context to everything, and I think it just takes someone who's super excited about it to put it in context for you and 
you know, make it easy to understand. Because, yeah, like you said, you can go on a hike and see a bunch of shit and just be like, eh, it doesn't, it never really sets in. It's just the background. And then maybe one day you're hiking and you notice something you didn't notice before. Or something's blooming at that time of year that wasn't blooming before. And you say, that's a fucking weird looking flower. Why is it, you know, why does it look like that? Why is it, what, you know, why do the stamens come out, you know, beyond the, and then you learn it's, you know, it evolved that way because it's pollinated by hummingbirds or something. So, right. So it sounds like you have pretty natively deep curiosity, though, as well as as the the sort of work ethic to go in and answer your own questions, right? Is, has that been the case throughout your life, like with other areas, or did it? Is this all just kind of happen with plants? Yeah, if I'm interested, if I'm interested in something, it's probably honestly, it seems like everyone's fucking got ADD now. But I probably had some sort of neurological condition where, like, I had to really be interested in something to to focus on it. And if I wasn't that interested in it. You know, I didn't get that little shot of dopamine from reading about it or from thinking about it. I wouldn't, it would be like pulling teeth to get me uh, excited about it, you know, or to get me to care, um, at least as a kid. So, yeah, and I, th- I think with like, uh, oh, pictures falling off the wall. I think with, uh, you know, with, with, um, with science, I was always kind of into science. We, I grew up in Chicago. We got a lot of good museums there. Yeah. Um, my mom was a public school teacher, so she would be telling me, you know, that limestone's composed of the bodies of millions of these tiny organisms that produce calcium carbonate shells, you know, uh, and that's, you know, 400 million years ago at the bottom of an ocean. And that's why this this rock is here now. And that kind of blew my mind. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But so the science was always there, but I just didn't have a context for it. And I think the way that school especially high school and the you know the american education system the way it's set up is kind of fucked up it's not built on necessarily understanding a concept and getting you know getting your imagination lit up about it it's just built on memorizing which memorizing doesn't mean you have you can totally you know be ignorant of something and not understand how it works but memorize it and still ace the test and i think that's how you know, it, it, it's much different to talk to someone. It's like talking to like an employee at the DMV versus someone who like works on on cars and really fucking loves cars, you know, and really loves the, the mechanics and really loves understanding how they work. It's just totally you're someone who's just doing it for a job versus someone who's that's their passion, you know, and I see a lot of the, Jesus Christ. Dog is like gagging over here. I'm fucking it. But um, come on. This is what happens when you eat your food too fast. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. You got to go out. Let me put him out. One second. Get out. Everyone out. Everyone out. Out. Louie, come on. Let's go. Out. 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 Get out. God, fucking dogs are spoiled, man. So along these lines, uh, I, I picked up a quote from you. It's about being out and noticing the natural world around us. You said things that were formerly bland to them become these organisms with their own evolutionary lineages. One single rock can tie a person back to the event in which that rock was created, whether it was a volcanic eruption 20 million years ago or the gradual deposition of sediments in an ocean 400 million years ago. It makes life a lot more interesting. I really love that, man. I love that. I mean, I'm no amateur geologist, but I will, when I'm walking, often wonder how long some random rock, you know, a little pebble has been sitting along a trail. Like, has it been there for a year? Has it been there for a thousand? You know, was it deposited there by some creeping glacier during the last little ice age or, you know? Right. And, and then if I pick it up or kick it or something, I'll wonder if I'm like the first force to move it. 
in thousands of years. It's kind of a trip. Being outside and wondering how long a thing has been there, what its course was. Did it live a thousand miles away in Canada at one point? You know, was it part of a cliff wall? It's not just about placing something in context. It's about understanding how, how it influences other things too. Yeah. You know, which especially with plants, they influence everything. They're pollinated by something. They they provide nectar and, and pollen as a reward for other things. You know, they enable certain plants like in the desert will be so spiny. They'll create like a little haven for rodents to, to to live under and you know which are then a part of an ecosystem too it's really just i mean i i've learned a lot the more i've read just to be observant um of things and pay attention and then kind of get get a grasp on why certain things look the way they do based on where they evolve like plants growing in deserts tend to be more hairy and more you know which looks gives them the appearance of having more whitish or bluish leaves or they're covered in a lot of thick wax like cuticle wax that you know, covers the leaves and stuff, um, you know, whereas you're not going to see many hairy plants in a place where it rains a lot. They would just rot away. Um, it's Yeah, so it's just just kind of really upping the, the act of being observant, you know, and thinking about things in context a little bit more as a way of understanding it. But really that, that thinking about where things, like where is this rock been or, or, you know, what was finding a plant fossil and being like, wow, this, this type of plant would never grow here now. We're in the middle of the fucking desert. You know, how much has the climate changed and, and why? Oh, because it was tied to this mountain range that is there now that wasn't there before. And the mountain range creates a rain shadow that, <clears throat> and that dried out, you know, the area inland um, and turned it into a desert over a few million years. <clears throat> I think that kind of stuff... A lot of fulfillment in studying this stuff is, is what it does for me philosophically. You know, it gives me a place in which to put myself, my small, tiny, little, insignificant human life in the larger picture. And I think that perspective is really important for people. And I think just in terms of like choosing what to worry about and what to trip about, and you know, all the stupid shit that we get, we get into, I think that kind of gives me a greater, a greater context and understanding of it. I mean, I still flip out about shit, don't get me wrong, but... But uh, I just like having that bigger picture, you know. I like I like having that context. It's it's definitely like I said, it does almost does for me what religion does. It's supposed to do for people in a way, you know. And then you, like you would do with a religion, you know, there's there's a bit of proselytizing for you with your crime pays, but botany doesn't. You create these videos where you're sharing your knowledge. Has that been largely rewarding? Do you ever get frustrated because? I mean, is it difficult to relate your passion with lay people like me, given how deep your knowledge is? No, not really. No, I mean, I just, I, I like uh, breaking it down so people can understand it, you know. And, and that's where, like, the sense of humor comes in. I think a sense of humor is just fucking imperative. It's of the utmost importance, um, you know, especially in context of all the shit going on today, you know. The more darkness you have, the more comedy you're going to need. And there's always a lot of darkness <laughs> these days so i think the comedy definitely makes it makes it easier and more more fun and makes it more of an enjoyable process versus you know some fucking dry and monotone way of explaining it but also if people don't understand it then that gives it puts it on me to explain things in a way that they do you know yeah i was watching last night i watched your uh botany crash course and folks there's links to to everything that uh joey's doing botany crash course all in the show notes or just google joey santor and it'll all pop up but i was watching the crash course and i'm thinking man you know you can get as deep an education in botany and other subjects without a university degree 
it really pushed the reminder home that all of us can become extremely proficient, extremely knowledgeable, extremely expert if we just have the passion and the dedication. You know, we've got the internet, like you say, we've got books and we've got the internet. And if you have the questions, we have the answers. You can get pretty deep on this stuff. So how do you feel that you're regarded by the the, the sort of, uh, if you're regarded at all, uh, by the academic world when it comes to you as a botanist? Have um, you managed I mean, to get cred? Yeah, but I'm not really looking for it. I mean, I think that's kind of what makes it funny. It's like, I have no reputation to uphold. I don't care. I don't really, I don't really give a shit. Most people think of me unless they're people I respect. Um, you know, and, and then I'll listen to their criticisms and, you know, I'm always... I'm always open to feedback, but, you know, there's a lot of people that want to talk shit and not towards me necessarily, just in general. There's people just, you know, there's a lot of disenchanted people who want to spread the shit around. As I say, spread the shit that they're feeling around. But in academia, most most of the people that I've come into contact with have been really cool, you know, and like people who could be total arrogant pricks because of the work they've done or they're just very esteemed. They've accomplished a lot and they're. I found that especially the people studying plants, most of them are really down to earth and friendly and cool and, you know, have have similar values to me. Um, you know, I've got in, I've gotten into it with a handful of younger people, um, but just over petty shit, you know, which is like I, I'm kind of amused by, you know, and then though I think maybe they're pissed off that I didn't. You know, I didn't take out $200,000 in student loans to <laughs> get a degree that I'm not using. I don't know. But I mean, that's 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 mostly been few and far between. It's most everyone that I've, you know, I'll, and I'll interview people for a podcast that I do. Like, you know, I just I just interviewed a friend in South Africa who's really well versed in the plants on there. I interviewed another friend. She is really well versed in members of the sunflower family in South Africa, which do some really wild shit. Like some of those flowers have... Uh, they're not petals, but you can think of them like petals. They look like petals. Petals that mimic, have patterns on them that mimic one of the common pollinators down there, like a type of bee fly. It looks like a beetle, but it's actually a bee fly. And the, the petals are actually embossed, so they're like raised up a little bit. It's the wildest shit. And it's totally, I mean, nothing in evolution is ever really for something. That's not the correct way to think about it. But the adaptive right. benefit is that if these petals look like these these bee flies, the bee flies are going to go and try to mate with the petals and end up pollinating this flower. And be, because these bee flies are so ubiquitous down there, it's a, it ended up working out really well for this plant. And so they always get pollinated there everywhere. So she studies some members of the sunflower family down there, and she's like the head of the 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 head curator for that family in the herbarium at the the Kirsten Bosch Botanic Garden in South Africa. And she was just oh, wow. more than willing to talk to me for an hour and a half and and talk about this stuff and answer questions I had. And I love things like that because then that shares these ideas with other people. It kind of takes them out of academia and makes them accessible to more people. Because nothing, I mean, you can read all this stuff as long as you're asking questions and looking it up, but it, it helps so much to have someone break this stuff down for you and especially make it like in a fun, digestible format you know but yeah most people i've encountered in academia have been really cool yeah it does make a big difference when someone can just get you excited about what they're doing that is completely outside of your room i love that because i just and for me that's part of why i do the podcast i don't care what somebody what their passion is as long as they have a passion if they're passionate about it i will get excited by your passion 
whatever that thing is. And so those are the people that I like to surround myself with, the people that I like to talk to on the podcast, because it's contagious. It doesn't really matter to me what the topic is. It's just the excitement in somebody's eye, in their voice, when you know you're with someone who's into what they're doing. Yeah, I for love sure. It. I yeah. absolutely love it. And you, you can know? see the, the way they, they, they have a full understanding of it. They have a, like a full grasp of the understanding of how it works. It's not just memorization to them. You know, totally. It makes it makes all the difference. It does. It's it's uh, so like rabbit hole last night. I was like, this Joey guy is completely into what he's doing as as a botanist. And I was like, I was taking notes like um, in your your crash course. Like, oh, I want to pick up some of these books so next time I go hiking here in L.A. I can kind of because the L.A. hiking everything kind of to me is like, oh, it all looks kind of scrubby. The same thing. But yeah. like, you know what? If I get down on my knees a little bit, there's other kinds of plants, and I'm going to start checking these out. And get into it a little more because of your passion. So now it's on my my book ordering list are some of these, again, you know, refresh the field guides, get back into it. So thank you in advance for that. And it's also going to trickle down to my kids. I take them out with me. Will they be interested or not? I don't know. They're already doing iNaturalist. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, right on. They, they all over the place. Like my, my 11-year-old. Uh, folks, check out iNaturalist. Whether or not you have kids, iNaturalist is a really, really, really cool online resource and app. Uh, in a nutshell, basically, if you're walking around and you see a, a mountain lion or a, a tiger salamander or a tiger lily or, you know, a, whatever, you can, you can mark down your observation where you saw it in your neighborhood, maybe on a hiking trail. And it helps naturalists and botanists around the world have a a, a very contemporaneous uh, catalog of what's going on out there, what animals are in in what areas, you know, they can, it helps them judge migration, it helps them judge um, populations, all kinds of stuff. And, And you're part of the accumulated scientific body of knowledge around all sorts of species through iNaturalist. Is that yeah. a fair way of putting it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great learning tool too. I mean, they've yeah. got if you use the explore feature, I mean, you can you can you know they've got taxonomy charts, which is basically the the grouping, you know, the scientific grouping that everything's placed in. Which a lot of people, I'm still surprised to find this, don't know that that's not arbitrary. Like people people don't a lot of people don't understand that you know genus things are grouped into genus or family or section of a genus according to how they've evolved, which we can tell and verify through, you know, comparing DNA signatures. Um, So that really gives you, having a taxonomy chart so easily accessible, like you look at a plant, at least on the Android version, you can go to like taxonomy and then there's a little chart and it says view children, meaning like children subjects, the, the, you know, the subjects of that genus. You can Mm -hmm. see all the species in that genus. You go to a family, hit view children. You can see all the genera in that family. It's, it's a, immensely useful tool and especially for like super species rich families like the pea family fabaceae or the sunflower family asteraceae you know where things aren't just broken down into subfamily and then genus where things are broken down into tribes and subtribes and it gets super fucking complicated but you can look this up you can look up what tribe of the sunflower family a certain plant is in and then you know you've got the tribe and then you look up what else is in that tribe and you're like oh yeah you could compare the morphological similarities, the way they look, you know, you can see, oh, okay, I can see how that's closely related to that. You know, the phyleries, aka the involucral bracts, this might be too much technical speak, but if so, don't worry, you pick it up eventually if you get I'm glazed over, it's cool. But, uh, but uh, you know, I always like throwing them out there because, you know, again, if you don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm talking about, look it up, it can help. But anyway, you can see how certain things are related 
to other things, you know, based on how they look, and then it's verified by DNA. So it's a really useful tool. The taxonomy shit is really, really exciting. And um, that's something I'm always coming at with plants. It's like, I want to know what family it's in, what else it's related to, what order it's in. To order is kind of a higher classification, a more broad classification. And that's something that's really been learned in the last 20 or 30 years is as we, you know, this guy, Kerry Mullis, invented polymerase chain reaction, PCR. He was on fucking acid. He was driving down Highway 1 and he visualized this in his mind. The guy was a fucking total wingnut in many ways, but he invented PCR, which we use from everything for, you know, uh, PCR tests like for COVID or HIV or whatever to understanding, you know, to DNA forensics, to understanding how things are related and how they've evolved it's one of the most incredible inventions of the 20th century in my opinion but um so we invented this pcr and so then it was you know applied in terms of understanding phylogenies in terms of understanding evolution and so now we could see how closely related we were to other primates and how closely related lettuce was to other members of the sunflower family and where it was placed. And, and it just broadened our understanding of life and of the geologic time scale and how things evolved. Um, it's really phenomenal. And so, you know, the taxonomy thing is something I'm always pushing, you know, whether, cause I give presentations and I'll explain to people why this shit is important. And, and yeah, I'm always just amazed. There's, I think a lot of people, I didn't understand that, you know, scientific names are based around how things evolved. And that, like once you understand that, I mean, it, it really makes things exciting, you know. There was a in, in grade school, maybe it was high school. There was a mnemonic for the order of taxonomy in biology. What was it? I don't I have yeah, to memorize I, it. Someone told me that once, but I just I always just tell people focus on order, family, oh. genus, species. Old farts, get, old farts get stoned. That was something. Your King I was, Philip came over for good soup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I always just, you know, from order down is really all I use with plants. It's all I end up, you know, using with plants. Order is important than family, than genus and species. So I just use old farts get stoned and that was, that works for me. There we go. But I don't, it's mostly when I'm just teaching, like I don't, you know, it's like second nature to me now. I'm so fucking obsessed about it, but, (laughs) but yeah. Talk to me real quick about the Department of Unauthorized Forestry. That was just, I mean, that was just uh, a couple blocks from where I live. There used to be a double-decker freeway. It fell down in the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. A bunch of people died. It was fucking gruesome. Uh, They cleared it away. You know, it was a horrible structure anyways. It never should have been built. It was divided a neighborhood. It was a fucking poor black neighborhood. So, you know, of course, they just ran it right through there. They didn't give a shit about whose lives it affected. this is in this period of redevelopment in the 50s and 60s and 70s when they were just building all this hideous shit everywhere, a lot of which has been taken down, um, you know, all over the country. But anyway, so they built this freeway, it came down, and then the freeway was, when it, once it was gone, like all throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, it was basically, nothing was there. And then the city planted a bunch of stuff in the early 2000s, but they planted like all this shit, most of it's dead now. They planted London plane trees. They planted like just shit that wasn't adapted to this climate, to the dry summers and the Mediterranean climate. We have a really weird climate here in the Bay Area. Um, And so, you know, and they didn't plant. I don't know where I don't know why they planted this stuff, but a lot of this stuff just wasn't adapted. We have like all this cool native stuff they could have planted would have required minimal maintenance. But they chose like stuff from the Home Depot garden section instead. And then a lot of it died. So in places where it died, 
you know, I was growing all this stuff in my backyard. I've always been propagating plants since I got into them. I always figured that's the best way to get to know a plant is to grow it through its whole life cycle. So at the time I had a bunch of cypress trees. You know, California has a wealth of, of native cypress diversity. There's like 12 different fucking species here and they're all super restricted. A lot of them are endangered and a lot of them are fire dependent too. Uh, so I was growing those in my backyard and I just kind of started planting them out in places where other trees had died, you know, like these European Buckeyes and the, the London Plain and all this other shit. And um, and so it just kind of took off. And there were one or two people who like got kind of pissed that I was doing it. Some lady who's like a she's some real estate agent who lives south of here who I never see her out there. I never see her working on it, but she felt basically it was like a turf war. She felt like I was stepping on her toes. Um, you know, and so she was just, she kind of raised this thing for a little bit and had the city remove some of my stuff, but I just kept going and planting more stuff. And then when I got into just, was this under the cover of darkness or were you No, I would just go out there in the day. No, nobody gives a shit. It's, it's, I mean, fuck man, it's Oakland, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more loose here. Um, and, and if anyone would bother me, I would just, you know, talk to him. I mean, I figure what the fuck, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, there's, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe if I was in a, like some upscale suburb, maybe someone would give a shit and then I would probably get myself arrested or something. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, so I just started planting this stuff. And then as my, my interest in what I was studying at the moment diversified, uh, you know, like when I got into studying like neotropical cloud forests, like high elevation, low latitude, mountains of Guatemala, mountains of Southern Mexico, climate similar to the Bay Area, save for the fact that they get summer rain down there. Um, then I started planting more of that stuff. So like lots of hummingbird pollinated shit, lots of cool, like rare stuff too, like stuff that was, you know, maybe in the botanic garden, but not really common in horticulture. And I started planting that out and then I figured out how to turn on the irrigation. So now I could irrigate during the summer, real oh, shit. shit water. Like it's horrible water. It's reclaimed water. It's got, you know, lots of heavy metals in it and stuff, but it's fine for the plants. Um, but so anyway, I would, you just don't get any in your mouth. So then I, so then I started planting all this stuff around and shit was looking good. And I mean, this lady still complains. I don't know. She's a busy body. It's her. And then this other, some like some artist guy, he's like some millionaire that lives, he owns a bunch of properties in South, in uh, Southwest Oakland. And he's always, he, he did like mall. He was some guy who designed like mall art. You know, I don't know. I don't, he's like 75. Right. But anyway, he it really, so he was, him and her were complaining and they would complain a little bit, but it, you know, it looked good. So people didn't really listen to him. And then I got, I just a year or two ago, I got it actually sanctioned by the city. I had him come out and I showed him everything that was growing there. And they said, all right, just don't grow any food because the water's toxic and it's a liability for us, but anything else you're growing is fine. So, uh, so yeah, it just took off, and then I mean, it gave me a spot to plant stuff that I had, and then it, it you know offered. For now, it's cool because it's you get all kinds of pollinators there. I mean, you'll go over to these beds that were just filled with dying chlorotic roses. They planted like 900 roses before, and they all look like shit. They all died. Um, that was like exactly what they they had like London plane trees, which are a kind of sycamore hybrid that really gets overused in horticulture and they had a bunch of uh, roses, you know, but the roses would flower for a week or two, you know, in the year and then just look like shit the rest of the time. And they'd have to get pruned back and they would just kind of become these cages that protected all the weeds coming up beneath them, which was kind of funny. So it was like these garden beds full of like dandelions and, and these horrible looking roses with yellow leaves. So then I I started planting uh, all, when I once I started planting all this other stuff it just yeah it would be covered in bees 
you know, seven or eight different native bee species. The birds would be coming there too. It was really cool. And then, of course, these plants would flower and then end up producing seed. And then it would be free seed for anybody who wants to come collect this stuff, you know, and plant it in their garden. So, um, yeah, it's still there. It's doing well. I mean, I'm hoping I'm, you know, in the process of probably leaving town for good at some point. I'm hoping someone else will be down to, you know, take care of it, go in there and weed. Yeah, go in there and weed. And, you know, the city has contractors they hire to come by. Even though I told them they don't need to, we take care of it, you know, at least on our stretch of blocks. And the contractors will come by and hack stuff and hedge stuff. You know, they're they're used to, they're used to like, uh, you know, maintaining like office parks and suburban houses and stuff. So, right. Um, but the stuff regrows. I think I finally got the contractors to lay off a little bit. So... So you put in a bunch of perennials, more or less. It's low maintenance. Yeah, perennials uh, and small trees and shrubs yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, like like I said, rare stuff that's you know produces flowers for the hummingbirds and the bees and shit. Just stuff. It provides me a little sanctuary, like a sanctuary to go to when I feel like committing homicide. You know, it's a nice place to go relax and and it makes the walks more exciting too because there's a whole diversity of shit planted in only a few small blocks. So, all right. So shifting gears pretty heavy here, real quick. Um, I just want to ask you this. There's there's two very famous, very super phallic obsessed dudes right now out there, billionaires, that are racing to get humans off planet. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. What would you say to these guys over coffee? I would probably just ask them why, and then I'd try to dose them with some sort of fucking high-intensity psychedelic I, think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know man i don't know why yeah why why the fuck why do you want to do this you know i mean it's if it's yeah i guess i just uh yeah man I, all the money that those guys i mean what i would do if i had fucking 30 300 billion dollars i'd be you know trying to preserve land parcels everywhere trying to start schools that that taught people you know basic uh, natural sciences as well as horticulture um, kind of getting, trying to get people, tell, teaching people how to grow food sustainably. Uh, there's so much good you could do in the world, um, you know. And instead, it's just like, why, why the fuck? I don't understand the whole purpose of going to Mars. I would love the knowledge to be gained about Mars. I think that's interesting. But the purpose of like setting up shop there, it's a fucking dead planet. I don't. I mean, sure, we could do that. But that, in terms of that being our first priority, that we're throwing so much money away at it. I mean, yeah, it's it's beyond me. I love the pursuit of knowledge. I love exploring the cosmos, but I, I have a feeling that's not really uh, so much of what's what's going on here. I feel like this is just good old, you know, primate, male primates and their fucking egos. So <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I mean- Does, does it insult you at all that, that, they, that they've given up on, on planet Earth? No, it doesn't insult me. I think it's mildly sociopathic. But I think you have to be sociopathic to be that rich to an extent. Yeah, there's definitely an argument for that. So I'm going to throw that question out to listeners too, though. We're, we're, if you could sit down with, with Musk or Bezos, I'd like to know, we'd like to know what you would ask them. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put that in a future podcast. Just, but you can tell us, just call us at 707-500-1580. 707, that's a Sonoma County area code, California, 500-1580. Call us and leave us a message. What would you ask uh, Bezos or Musk? They're probably both listening to each of these episodes. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll get it out there and pretty good chance that you'll have your question answered. 
All right. Uh, all right. We, we can move on from that. I bought something last night from from your shop. I bought a shirt, a great shirt. It says uh, in, in kind of a mild script, it reads, stop humanity across the front. I tried to get the mask too, but that's gone. It's sold out. Yeah, they don't, Joe, you don't need those. They're shitty masks anyway. They're just like. Yeah, terrible. I know, but just, you know, it's anyway. Stop humanity. It might seem weird coming from the, you know, the, the super nice club guy. Like it's not the nicest sentiment, but doesn't it depend on how you read it, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people misinterpreted that. I've been, I've been like trying to explain. I gave up explaining that to people that you know want to misinterpret it. They, a lot of people thought it was like. I mean, re- really, at its essence. Well, first off, it's written in fucking cursive script, so it's yeah, it's pretty. And, it's a pretty shirt. Well, it's kind of that kind of. Therein lies the satire. There's a little bit of humor in there, but you know, we live in an age when humor is kind of dead in many ways, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> however, well intentioned it might be, but. Uh, but, you know, so that flies over people's heads. And I think originally, I mean, what it's about, it's just, it's not kill humanity. It's not, it's not, not murder anybody. It's just, just stop them. Just whatever they're fucking doing, stop it. This process of just expanding like a tumor, literally, that's what it's about. It just stop it. You know, it's just, how do you go about doing that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't really, this isn't some sort of manifesto I had. I mean, I wrote a little something about it. I posted it on Instagram, but it's it's really just, just, just put a fucking moratorium on whatever they're doing right now because uh, it doesn't seem to be working for the planet, for the biosphere, for other species, or for us even. So that's kind of, that's what that's about. It was uh, really the, the, if you want to blame someone for that, the person to blame would be E.O. Wilson, uh, the famous biologist he, who studied yeah. ants, uh, evolutionary biologist. He wrote a he wrote a book called Half Earth, which was basically about setting aside half the Earth and just maintaining it as an ecosystem, as a living, breathing, functioning ecosystem, uh, not totally hands off, having to just maintain it, but with the idea that it's just there to do its thing. It's just there to preserve life. I don't think we'll ever do that. Um, maybe at some point, if you know, once we suffer a great catastrophe, which I think is kind of inevitable at this point but uh <laughs> you know hopefully it'll could it'll it'll but arrive that, that after idea, i'm dead the idea to set things aside you know naturalists for a while um uh what's his name Otto leopold and others would write about uh, our national parks being off limits right just something to, to appreciate and and view from afar but not necessarily trample upon all the time there's definitely something to that idea although we, we do also want to connect and, and get out there and be amidst nature so we're not so disconnected. So it's 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 a tough one to answer. I think there's de- I think it's definitely important for there to be a human presence in nature. I think it's important yeah. for us too so we don't lose our shit. But but I think yeah man, I think there's just uh, at some point this idea of endless growth is gonna have to face reality and at some point uh, you know, I'm all for for bringing people up, for bringing people up, for bringing people up out of poverty, as well as is lowering birth rates and stopping. I mean, I, I I totally overpopulation is a real thing that pisses a lot of people off on left and right, but it's it's fucking real. And yeah, there's a lot. There's way more resources being used in the first world. Um, that's undeniable. But everywhere people are, there's destruction. You know, and when you've got such a huge footprint, doesn't it, it rich obviously rich countries have a much heavier footprint but there's a footprint everywhere and um 
And, you know, people always talk, when they talk about overpopulation, they kind of make this straw man. At least people on the left, they make this straw man. They're like, oh, you're advocating eugenics and blah. No, what the, no one's talking about that. No one's fucking talking about that now. There's a context for that. Yeah, but what we're, what we're saying is this, this growth is not sustainable. And they're like, well, there's more than enough for everyone. We could have 14 billion, 20 billion. Well, yeah, maybe you could, but there's a cost to that. You want to turn the whole fucking planet just into a machine to support humans? Okay, good luck with that. I mean, I don't want to live in that kind of world. If we do that, we might as well just go to Mars. Go to go with fucking Elon and his goofy ass up into, you know, go, go up there, I guess, you know? So it's a really complex situation. I don't think the answer is going to be found in an 148-character tweet generated to get likes. But it's something that we're going to have to face at some point because we're going to turn this fucking planet into an ashtray, you know? Well, we're facing it. We're facing it now. And the idea, we have to get across the idea hard that uh, the idea that infinite growth is possible on a finite planet, it just doesn't make sense. Just, it, it's, it's not possible. It is not possible. What is possible is redefining growth so that we, we, we tether it to rates of natural renewal of our resources. Well, right? yeah, and, and, so, and that's where science comes in and that's where understanding the biosphere comes in. I mean, there's there's the talking points and a, a couple of them have, there's a lot of truth to them. Like a lot of people will be like, well, it's just capitalism. And I'm like, well, a lot of it is capitalism, but it's not just capital. There's a lot there, you know, there's like, it's fucking, this is what I mean when it's like, yeah, that, that you put that tweet out there and it's like, oh, it makes you, few people like it and they pat you on the back. It doesn't solve the problem. And it's not It's not just, okay, you fucking eradicate capitalism, put something else in there. They've done that already, and it's it's done the same thing. They're like, Venezuela hasn't fucking looted its biosphere. Like, well, come on, man. Like, it's, it's, a, it's something in us where we disconnect ourselves. I mean, honestly, you want to go back far enough. I think it's some shit that happened eight or 900 years ago, probably happened multiple times in human civilization where we somehow think we forget that we're tied to all this shit. We, we somehow think... That, you know, we're not a part of it. And most recently it happened in European civilization, you mm -hmm. know, and then spread everywhere else with colonialism and all this shit. Um, but I don't think that's the only time it's happened. I think it's probably happened multiple times. And, mul and we know that because multiple societies and civilizations have collapsed. They forget their roots and they forget what they're a part of and they forget what they're tied to. It's not just capitalism. Capitalism's not helping. The capitalism, modern capitalism, unrestricted, is kind of behind the whole idea of, of endless growth. But it's not just capitalism. And you sound like a fucking idiot when you just put it out there that it's just capitalism. I mean, it's there's there's just... I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I'm only I'm I'm interested in that, but like I said, that's a whole other fucking conversation itself. It, it's but it's such a huge one, though, right? Because it's 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 you know, it, economics is a philosophy itself. So you know, the the philosophy of capitalism and and the different, like you said, it's not just you can't just say capitalism. There there's there's so many different versions of capitalism, and right now. Right. We're all living in, most of us are, many of us, all of us are affected by it um, across the globe. This, this particularly hyper-consumptive brand, this, this the very malignant version of capitalism that we are currently dealing with. It doesn't mean that there can't be uh, a more healthful version, you know, one, like I said earlier, that is tied to the rates of natural renewal, right? And, and one that understands the laws of physics and nature which well, are current and it just seems based you know, more in, yeah. in intellect i mean we live in a profoundly yeah. anti-intellectual society right now i mean it seems like what what our modern economy is is tied to right now is just 
just our, our fucking dopamine response. It feels good. Do it. It feels good. Do it. Don't think about the long-term consequences. Short-term growth. Short-term growth. Long-term loss. Who gives a fuck? Loot it for the shareholders and, and fucking sell it upriver. And it's going to burn down. It's going to ruin towns. It's going to ruin people's livelihoods. Who cares? I mean, that shit is fucked. And it's it sucks, too, because... It seems, especially since Reagan, more and more restraints have come off this fucking beast mm-hmm. that eats everything in its path and, and doesn't give a shit about about the collective good, doesn't give a shit about the future, whatever. That's what we're living in in America right now, probably in quite a few other first world countries. You know, I, I, I understand the frustration in it, but it, again, you sound like a fucking idiot. Just the proverbial you when you're like, oh, it's just capitalism. Like, no, it's not just capitalism. You fucking don't seem like you've looked into you know, human history or, <laughs> or our genome as a species. A lot of this, a lot of the shit in us, I think is behavioral. And I say this all the time, like hoarding, uh, was an evolutionarily adaptive trait. It served us a benefit as a species at one point, not necessarily that it was good. You can't think in terms of good and bad. It's too simple, but it served us a benefit. And now it's maladaptive. Now it's taking us apart, you know, it's, and I, and same thing with like our propensity for violence as a species. I think, you know, I think that served us it, it as a species a benefit at one point, but it's now it's maladaptive and it's it's you know now it's yeah it, it doesn't help us anymore. You have to think again. I, I try to think of things in terms of evolution and in terms of adaptive benefit versus maladaptive benefit, etc. And so I, yeah, it, it's all part of just trying to figure out what the shit we're doing here, which is something I'm thinking about almost on the daily. I don't know what the fuck we're doing here anymore. <laughs> I'm just it's, along it's for tough. the ride. Like George Carlin said, I'm just along for the ride. It's it's definitely a tough time. Uh, I think you and I have both identified publicly at times as uh, at least as part-time misanthropes. I mean, I admit to it. You know, it's part of what inspired the Super Nice Club, this deep desire for people to be better at being people. You know, oh yeah, the, the darker side of me will argue, like you said a minute ago, that, that that's what we are excellent at being people. And that's the problem right? We're wired to achieve what we've achieved as a collective species, right? But either way, whether, you know, if we shouldn't do better, we should do nicer, right? You do better. You you correct for those evolutionary behaviors. You accept they're a part of you. You don't shame yourself or shit on yourself, but then you correct it by culture. So most of the evolution that's going on, and I've read I've read this in a couple, this is not a new idea, but most evolution that's going on with people now is cultural, you know, and culture is what we have to correct for those maladaptive traits within ourselves. you know. And that's what I was going to ask you is where do you, despite the, the, the sort of intertwined crises that we face right now, uh, culturally and as collectively as a species across cultures, where do you see glimmers? Do you see any glimmers of hope out there? You know, some, some movements, some, some progress. Not in the U.S., no. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> no. Fucked. I'm just asking. I think There's we're no fucked. I think social. No, I think social media uh, makes it makes it makes culture and ideas so contagious, which can be good or bad, but it can also be abused. And I see right now highly divided, just a highly divided society that's eating itself over stupid shit that doesn't really matter in the end. You know, like why is some fucking angry grandpa? Uh, you know, concerned about critical race theory. It doesn't affect them. He doesn't really even understand it. Why is 
you know, vice versa, someone on the left, like who's so hellbent on like chastising their own side and policing their own side and, and doing whatever for woke points. Like, why does that, like, none of this shit matters in the end, I feel like. And I just, I do think there's a lot of manipulation going on, especially by social media companies to just get people riled up and pissed off. And so my, that's where plants and art come in. It's always, those are my fucking go-tos. I can try hard to just shut out the rest of the world and focus on, on plants and art and the things that get me excited. But but I, I see why a lot of people get hung up on on the social media. I mean, American culture's in a really fucking dire spot right now. And I look at like, especially kids growing up in these cul-de-sac suburbs where they have to have a car to get around and their parents are like semi-present and the culture there fucking sucks and it's all just strip mall, parking lot, plastic side. Like those kids are fucked. I feel so bad for them, you know? Is social media better than like getting a fucking heroin habit? I guess a little bit, but neither one seems, you know, I don't know. It just depends. It's like I've, I've always said this with the internet. You can use it to teach yourself new things and explore the world. You can like use it just to look at pictures of asses and food and rate yourself, you know, physically to other people. Both together sometimes, asses and food. You can find that too. Right, right. Well, I also, I Get think, everything. I, I think too, one thing I want to say about social media that gets really dark, and I guess I forget it to think about this because I don't care so much I don't look at this so much but but I think um, especially with younger people the, the comparison of you know seeing someone who's beautiful online and then comparing yourself to that and saying that you're not that and you'll never be that and it, it, I think that really fucks with people's heads and I forget that that happens a lot just because I mean I don't really think like that or give a shit and I'm normally just kind of so salty and you know laughing at everything anyway but I think that's something out there that really like for teenagers like in those fucked up years like it's got to be fucking hard to be a teenager man especially in some of the places in america today and when you've got all this information coming at you you don't know how to filter it yet and and you don't know how to like filter your own lack of self-confidence you don't you know how to work with your own lack of self-confidence or your own the way you look at yourself in the mirror yet and you know haven't learned to love yourself i think god it's a massive psychological experiment going on right now is basically what oh, i'm I saying agree. and it's fucking terrifying I think teenagers have it harder than any other generation before. I think that parents need to remember that. And that we're having these cultural wars, the left and right, right in front of their faces every day. You know, they used to be that, that the adults would sort of have these conversations removed, you know, unless the kids wanted to know. Now it's all spilling out into their social media feeds. They're, they're getting very adult takes at a very young age. Which isn't always a bad thing, but man, it leads, it can really overwhelm and depress. Yeah. It leads to a lot of, you know, th these things overwhelm and depress us as adults and having to pour that into your 12-year-old, 13-year-old life. Oh, my God. Yeah. And at the, end, you know? at the end of the day, too, I mean, to be so, why do you want to be so worked up about something, you know? Why you want to? Why you want to be like con constantly at odds with shit? Why you want to feel like the, the? Why you always want to feel like the, the world is caving in on you? Like I don't want to feel like that, but that's the worldview that these two warring factions are always putting it in. You know, it's I don't know. Let me ask you this, Joey. Um, just just honestly, like given your your sort of optimistic take on on what's going on in the states right now, the super nice club <laughs> trying to make the world ten percent nicer. Come on, that's got to sound pretty naive to you. I'm not saying it's not. I don't know if it's naive. No, I mean, I think like I always say, I always like, I, I don't give up. I mean, I joke about being a nihilist in, in ways I don't, I don't really care about the outcome. Like, a, but I, really, I mean, I still do things that I think make the world uh, a more pleasant place for others and for myself. You know, plant the fucking garden, teach yourself to paint, do whatever. You know, I mean, that's how you can make the world nicer and just stop getting involved in the fucking 
chicken fight back and forth, man. It's, it's just such a fucking waste of time, you know? When you're out there in the field looking at a spiny cactus and, and, and a little rodent home beneath it and you're down squatting down there, does it give you a perspective where you just sometimes think, you know what, all the stuff that humans are dealing with, this stuff or some version of this is going to be around here in 1.6 million years and it's all good? Yeah, that happens. Yeah, I mean, that's what the geolo- that's what an understanding of the geologic time scale does. You know, I not... I would say don't let that make you lazy about, you know, wanting to make things better now. But I mean, at least it gives me the sense of, yeah, like it's in the end, it's life goes on. We're just specks of dust. So, But it's still you get sad about certain species that are disappearing, right? Yeah. We, that particular species isn't going to come back. That that particular flavor of beauty might be lost, but there'll be future ones that we don't even know about. But it's, it's, it's hard to feel good about that because maybe, but it takes a long time. I mean, you look at yeah. like when the, at the, the KT extinction or KPG or whatever they're calling it now mm-hmm. at the end of the Cretaceous, 66 million years ago, it took like 9 million years, eight to 9 million years for diversity to recover, at least as it showed up in the fossil record. So it's, you know, I always say that you get these people who are like, oh, Earth is going to be fine. Well, it's like, yeah, the, the fucking rock is going to be fine. The molten core is going to be fine. But life on it is getting a thrashing right now. I mean, it's a, it's a huge extinction that we're responsible for. You know, it's not just climate change. It's habitat loss as we continue to grow. Stop humanity. That's what that's what was the root of that. You know, stop yeah. all the fucking development, whether it's for agriculture or shitty cul-de-sac homes in the first world and strip malls. You know, or whatever, just smarter growth and less of it. Well, I like Stop Humanity because we're advocating for a nicer world, not just for humans, but for everything. And stopping our worst, most avaricious habits has got to happen. It's stopping it's human behavior. Yeah. yeah, that's really what it's yeah. about. You know, I've you had know, to correct we, so many nitwits that interpret it the wrong way. And they're like, oh, we God, just got done with the climate conference that they're not doing anything. It's, it's, it's still profits over people. And we've got a lot of work to do. And it's going to have to be from the ground up. Well, it's, it's right? profits over people, but it's also these yeah. these... This kind of nine-year-old mentality, which you, you would expect more from grown adults, most of whom seem to be men, you know, where it's it's, it's like this nine-year mentality, well, if he's not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. What yeah. the fuck? That doesn't, someone's got to do it first, fuck, oh, what are you doing? You're going to wait? You know, it's just, come on, this is, this is so much more is at stake here. And then here, of course, there's so many people who, that's another thing about the internet, it's like the fucking overnight experts, you know, which <laughs> is like... It's, you're arguing with the you're arguing with the rules of physics when you say CO2 doesn't affect climate and doesn't absorb heat, but there's still people who you just refuse to believe that. So it's you know whatever. I think they're kind of slowly getting drowned out or they're just dying. But I don't, I don't you know how do you work with boat. that? Yeah. One thing we haven't gotten into, and I, it's I'm, I'm remiss. I apologize. It's 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 been we've been talking for a bit, but your art, man, your art. Talk to me about your art and where people can check it out. Uh, I, I you know I got it. I got an Instagram page for it. I think it was called uh, I think it's called Joey Lone School of Labor. I forget what the name was, but it was just something I'd be doing. You know, when I especially when I was working for the railroad a lot, I would have I'd be working second shift, which started at like 4 p.m. And so that part of the day before then, you know, I'd wake up, drink some coffee, take the dogs for a walk, and then just uh, sit down and draw. And it was just something that that I was just doing purely for myself because um, I enjoyed it, you know, and I would, I started, you know, I've been drawing since I was a kid, used to do graffiti, 
when I was in my early 20s, I was always drawn like satirical kind of Raymond Pettibon looking, you know, mockeries and, and cartoons of shit I didn't like, you know, mostly like things, aspects of society I didn't like looking at, making fun of stuff, whatever. Um, and then at some point when I got more into plants, then I started drawing things that I actually enjoyed looking at and things I'd actually want to hang on the wall. So less, less things that I was drawing for satire or to, to kind of uh, make fun of or attack things and more, more just along the lines of things I enjoyed looking at. And so that was a lot more rewarding. And then, yeah, just the last couple of years, I figured out how to scan them on a large scanner because they're all, you know, brush and ink and they're all roughly at least 18 by 24. Some are a lot bigger um, and figure out how to scan them and then take those scans and, you know, get prints made of them. And so that's actually been really helpful, a really helpful way to make money. Um, yeah. So everything on your bonfire.com site, crime pays, but botany doesn't, that's, that's all your work, right? No, my friend Ken Davis did like the stop humanity logo and the crime page okay. logo. Cause I can't do letters. I mean, I can do letters, but they're not, that guy's a fucking sign painter. You know, I was going to ask you if you did the, I was going to give you big props. For the lettering <laughs> I on wish this. that guy's because got, this is, he's this got is, a smooth he's, hand. Yeah. It's, I was like, that's hand lettered and it's really good. Um, like really, really good. Well, you know, hey, your stuff's good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do the drawing, you know, I just do the drawing. I keep it to that. I could, I, you want a fucking mountain or a, a desert scene, I could draw you that. I can't, I don't have the fucking patience or the steady hand to do nice lettering like he does, so. So here's the deal, folks. Uh, we, Super Nice Club, anybody that's a guest on this podcast, we stand behind 100%. Um, their work, what they do, everybody's got to make a living. If you purchase something from Joey's Web Store, cool shirts, hats, it's, it's you know, uh, holiday season, um, 100% money back guarantee from the Super Nice Club. All right. So if you get it, you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, this shirt is is crappy or I, I don't like saying stop humanity after all. Um, it just doesn't vibe with very me. Very violent language. It's very abusive. Yeah, you know, very botany or death. There's some, there's some aggressive kind colonizer of language. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> colonizer language. Anyway, we will buy it back from you at the price that you can <laughs> send it to us. We'll buy it 100% guarantee on any of Joey's products. Not forever. This deal expires um, on May 13th. If they don't like it, I want to know why. You know, tell me yeah. why. What's 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 up? You know, why would you? Uh, you know, why you have buyer's remorse? The prints I haven't been selling on Bonfire. The prints I just sell through. Uh, people could just email me if they're interested. I got and I got a bunch of like. A bunch of examples of them up on Instagram if they want to see what's what's out there or what. But they're all like 18 by 24 inches, roughly, and yeah. Okay, we'll put a link to uh, we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes. Your uh, your Instagram page. Anyway, we stand behind our guests 100. percent Always do anything they're doing. Shop with confidence, folks. Uh, question now. We do this every week. Everybody knows every every uh, episode called the Be Nice Challenge. And it's uh, something where the guest issues a little challenge to the listeners, something they can do to make their world, the world, a little bit nicer place. You got something you can throw out to people? The simplest thing you could do is just start a garden somewhere or look at, find a spot in your neighborhood. If you don't have a yard that's got like an unused plot of land, find out who owns it, see if you can start gardening there. If you can't find the person, just start gardening there anyway. Removing weeds, planting the shit you want to plant. Uh, could be veggie crops. It could be native plants that you know produce 
food for pollinators. It could be anything. I mean, that's something that that people can do. And I've, I always, I see, you see people doing it here and there too. I mean, even just like sprinkling native seeds, not fucking Home Depot, you know, invasive European shit from Home Depot. You're buying a seed packet. Do a little bit of research first. Native stuff, just just throwing seeds around, seeds in vacant lots, whatever. You know, you really want to go nuts with it though. Find ne- neglected areas, find empty spaces with a plot of land you can get into. You got to cut some fence. Maybe you could do that, you know, if, as long as not bumming anybody out too hard. And uh, and just start taking care of some land and, and planting stuff there. I mean that's the that's in our talk about fucking being in our genome. That's in our genome to have a relationship to the land. You know to have a land ethic and and uh, that's what makes us feel whole. And I think you know other people notice that. People love seeing plants. They love seeing people working on plants, even just along some fucking railroad tracks. You know I think that's a, there's a lot to be said for that. So look for areas where you can start a garden and if your shit dies the first month then just keep at it you know figure out why it died what happened if someone rips it out or vandalizes it keep at it you know maybe switch spots if you got to but just uh it's a it's a fulfilling thing if you have the time for it so that's a great challenge all right so this is this is uh joey's gorilla gardener challenge well i mean ask permission first you know but it's also always okay to uh ask forgiveness Rather than permission. Yeah, don't let the do lack of do. permission or the or the lack of being able to find out who the owner is stop you, you know? <laughs> so get out there, do some gorilla gardening, and share it with us. Let us know. Let Joey know what you did. You don't even have to wait until until the crop comes up. Just say, did this thing. Maybe take a picture of, of the, the funky little parcel that you found. Share that with us. Super Nice Club will send you something. We'll send you a little, a little, little swag package as a, as a thank you, as a bribe uh, for, for being a little bit nicer and accepting the Be Nice Challenge. And then lastly, the little last part of this podcast is that uh, you get to ask me a question. Any question. All right, let's see. Uh, what's your backyard like? You got what's your setup like? You got plants the back there, or what do you got? What do you live in an apartment? Or you got what's a uh... Oh man, this is uh, this house here in LA uh, has no yard. It's a bummer. It's uh, it's got a pool, which I don't have any use for. Um, I just as soon fill it in and and turn that into a something to plant, or just empty it and then plant down there. But uh, no, it's there's there's no yard. There's a little bit of of landscape up front with uh, with some different uh, you know. Cacti are very hip right now, mm-hmm. so the uh, the uh, homeowners put in some 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 cactus, but there's really nothing there. Uh, my last house built some raised beds, had some some little gardening stuff that I played around with. I'm no green thumb, but I and I don't even always harvest the stuff. I just love watching it grow. Just very fulfilling. Yeah, it's fulfilling just to, enough. Yeah, maybe yeah. you get some. So, epi- matter, you, you get some epiphytic that, cacti or tillandsias to, to you know hang on a wall or something somewhere. You could always do that outside. Matter of fact, the Super Nice Club was launched working the my last garden, weeding while I was weeding. Because as you as you know far better than I do, getting out there weeding, I mean, you just start daydreaming like mad. Mm-hmm. You just start having all these cool ideas and getting lost in that world. I was having cool ideas getting lost in the world uh, while I was weeding, and that's where the whole Super Nice Club just sort of flourished. You know, with my hands all dirty and uh, the microbes doing their thing and making me smarter, stronger, healthier human. Right on. Yeah, that's, yeah, I wonder about that. I wonder about the future of daydreaming with the advent of social media, you know, because no one has time for that anymore. Every time you get a, you're we're waiting in line somewhere, no, you know, you always pull out your phone and look at that. That's, I always wonder about that with myself. Sometimes it's good to just keep the phone in the pocket and just yeah. let your mind wander, you know. 
let yourself look, you know, and and, uh, and 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 be present. Yeah, absolutely. Or not be present. Let your mind wander. Joey, I you know I really appreciate you being on here. But I hope that people take out of this conversation a couple things. One, don't take the, the the things that are growing in the world around you for granted. I do it all the time. Let's get out there and pay more attention to the world around us. Let's get out there and, and get some field guides, share notes, you know, go hiking and just maybe the next time you hike, try to identify two trees. That's a big hurdle for a lot of us, you know, unless it's a redwood, we might not know what it is. So let's get out there and do a better job of getting to know our plant friends. But also I love that Joey is self-taught, expert botanist, but didn't go to university for it. Went to libraries, sat down, read books, had questions that led to questions that led to questions. And it was like, oh, damn, guess what? The Internet has a lot of answers. And there's a lot of academic research on the Internet. And if you're clever, you can take some of these papers and you can, you can find these papers that aren't behind paywalls if you know how to do it, right? There's a lot of information out there if you're deeply curious. And uh, uh, it doesn't have to be in botany. Uh, it could be about almost anything. But topic. I want to stress, though, too, you, there's, you know, there's, there, you could learn a lot online and in books, but there's... You'll never compare with actually just getting out there and doing it, like getting out in the field. Like if you learn how to fix a car, you can read about it all online as much as you want. But eventually you're going to have to just like pop a hood open and get in there and start ripping shit out of the car. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's the same thing. And there's going to be you might suffer some losses, but that's just the cost of of uh, learning. You know, so it's definitely well, me- like being out in the field for me and encountering new stuff. That's the best way for me to learn and not knowing what it is and then really looking at it and studying the morphology of the flower and the fruit and all this shit and then figuring out what it is. You know, that that really is where the learning takes place, being out there, you know. Well, then I got one more question before we go, which is for people that are living in a super urban environment or they're raising their kids in a super urban environment and it's not easy for them to get out somewhere for time reasons or just for economic reasons, what can they do just in a in a neighborhood setting to sort of start diving into go to train tracks or abandoned lots or anything and and look at what's growing there and you know you got these phones take pictures of stuff that's a huge that's a huge learning tool being able to you know visually record what you see and then identify it on inat or using some plant id app or um and then read about it on wikipedia and look at the taxonomy charts that's important uh sneaking into the museum is important i say sneaking in because they used to be many of them used to be free 50 years ago now you know because everything's got to be privatized and you have to make money off it somehow and everyone's having their funding cut most of them cost money but if you don't have the money i mean of course you get the money pay if you don't have the money sneak in uh sneak into the botanic garden you know there's many ways to go about furthering your own uh self-education so right on right on well hey thanks for your time spent really appreciate it and uh, welcome to the Super Nice Club, Joey. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. I appreciate it. Glad you're here, man. It. For sure. Joey Santor, fantastic. All the links are in the show notes, folks. Check them out and take that challenge. Take that gorilla gardening challenge. Please, please, please. I want to see, come springtime, I want to see lots of photos of lots of cool stuff, native stuff that, that y'all plant. Thanks, Joey. Thanks a lot. Take care. So there you have it. A super nice conversation with super nice Joey Santor. Tour. couple of extra, you know, blue words in that podcast, which is fine. It's genuine. I think that employed correctly that the blue words, they're super fucking nice. It's just true. It's it's the spirit of it. You can hear it in the voice, right? You can hear it in the voice that there's a, a happiness in deploying rich 
colorful expletives. I know that everybody doesn't get that. You know, that some people are, you know, conditioned in different ways. That's cool. I hope you forgive us. Uh, Joey's just, he's been able to explore what he loves and have a life enriched by what he loves without hitting the obstacle of academia. And I think that's great. No matter what it is that you're doing, don't let school or your lack of funding be uh, the reason why you don't do it. Unless you're going to be a neurosurgeon, okay? If you're going to be a neurosurgeon, I don't want you out there experimenting on your friends and things like that. But other than that, other than being a neurosurgeon, I can't think of any other career where, you know, you can just, you can't be self-taught. Uh, maybe Mercedes mechanic, because they don't, you know, they don't let you into the, did you know you can't even get into the new Mercedes, the engine? It's sealed. Yeah, it's crazy. Not that I, I mean, I'm shopping for an early 80s Volvo wagon right now, so that I can work on. Uh, one of my big hopes of this episode and every episode is that one person out there gets inspired a little bit to not, not pursue their career. So if that's you, if you got inspired, if you're like, oh, man, love Joey, would love to hear from you. I would also love you to pass this podcast episode along to like one person, just one. How about your kid's teacher? You know, why not? How about, um, ooh. I know, next time you go to the grocery store, right, and you're in the cereal aisle, whoever's nearest you, that person, share the podcast with that person. That would be great. It would really help us go viral quickly. Okay. I love you. I do. Uh, try to love as many people out there as possible, even though it's hard and sometimes, you know, people are uh, complicated and difficult. Take care. Until next episode, everybody, stay nice. And assert in this war Closing my account at the angry store I just wanna be nice And baby that's the raw That's why I'm joining The super nice club So come on in The water is warm You and I can wait out this passing storm Just wanna be nice And baby that's the raw That's why I'm joining The super nice club So what? Big deal